Welcome to the Major Gifts Fundraiser podcast with Clark Van Deventer. I'm Monica, and we're excited to have the opportunity to help you raise more money for your nonprofit than you ever thought possible by developing deeper and more meaningful relationships with your donors. This podcast is designed to get you thinking, to challenge you, to inspire you, and to give you some practical tools that you can use right now in your work as a fundraiser. If you hear something that you'd like to learn more about, or if Clark mentions a resource you'd like to get your hands on, just email me. My email address is monica at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. That's monica, M-O-N-I-C-A, at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. We offer a variety of services to nonprofits and development professionals, from DIY, that's do-it-yourself, to DWY, done with you, to DFY, that's done for you. To learn more, just email me at monica at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. All right, without further ado, here's Clark. Buenos dias, mis amigos. Hey, Clark Van Deventer here from Major Gifts Fundraiser. Hope you're having a great day. All right, I have got a guest with me here today. Actually, we... Slept in the same bed last night as we do most every night. This is my wife, Monica. For those of you who don't know, Monica, who you hear on the intro to this podcast, Monica's my wife, my business partner, right? She's actually the CEO of Major Gifts Fundraiser. Best decision we ever made was to put her in charge. Not that we ever had to make that decision. But um, Monica, all right, so it's Great to have you on the podcast. Uh, I, I'm always the one on the podcast. When we actually get working with clients, I think clients quickly realize that they're lucky to be working with you in addition to me, or they're more lucky to, more lucky to be working with you than me. Well, I doubt that's true, but thank you for those kind words. But uh, you got started, our relationship started in a, the context of fundraising, right? Yes, and that sounds a little dorky, actually. <laughs> but um, at the time, I was, um, we were going to the same church in Santa Barbara, and um, I was getting ready to go on a missions trip. Um, I was getting ready to spend a year in Ireland working with a small church there, helping them start their children's ministry. And um, as most missionaries, I had to raise my own money. All right, so this is a great story because this happens to me all the time where I'm speaking at a conference or I'm doing a webinar, talking to somebody, and I have all these amazing stories of millions of dollars raised and and how we were asking someone for a million-dollar gift or a half-million-dollar gift, but it's so often in the context of the Reagan Ranch, right, like the presidential property of of Ronald Reagan and people start thinking about, you know, Fortune 500 CEOs and cabinet secretaries and and the question is like, yeah, or I think there's this like doubt, like Clark, it's easy for you to say that's how it works in that world, but let me tell you my world and your but your experience, Monica says that that stuff that I talk about for six and seven and eight figure gifts works the same at the level you're talking about here. Yeah, it's kind of funny actually. When you and I started working together, the missions pastor actually called me into his office and said, sat me down and said, 
hey Monica, I know that you're working, <clears throat> excuse me, you're working with Clark and and I know he works at the Reagan Ranch and they do all this whining and dining and you know, that's just not the way we work here. And um, actually kind of told me like, don't continue on this course. And um, I had been working with, with you for, I don't know, a couple weeks by that time. And I was pretty, pretty well invested in this process. And um, I just kind of said, well, you know, can we just try it and see? And if it doesn't work, then I'll go back to um, the normal, you know, the normal way. And um, we never went back to that. All right. So just to, just to back up. So Monica and I were both early 20s. I have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just starting my career in fundraising, but I'm seeing some success. And I, Monica, we meet uh, through our church. This is a fairly big church, not a huge church, but fairly big. And you're getting ready to go to Ireland for a year on, I guess, not short-term missions, not necessarily long-term missions, somewhere in between, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so Monica's getting ready to move to Ireland for a year, and she's trying to raise support. All right, for the record, there were other people in our church at the time who were raising money for similar projects, but Monica was the only person I offered to help. All right, so <laughs> so obviously there was some, I don't know, uh, there was just something that drew me to Monica that I wanted to help her. So you, when you say that the pastor called you in and said like, hey, Clark's, I, I know you're working with Clark and this is, I, I know how Clark operates and that's not the way we do things. And you said, but we, we were into this process. So what was the process? What were we doing? Right. So basically, I remember the first time we met and you said, okay, you have to get a list of all of your your prospects. Anybody you can think of, you would normally write like the dear friend letter. You know, this is what missionaries do. They make a list and they send out a, a letter that says dear friend, because we don't even take the time to like put their first name on there. I'm going on this missions trip and, you know, would you consider supporting me by prayer or by financial donation? And then some little tear off slip and a return, return envelope. Right. So your, so, your initial plan, like every, <laughs> like every uh, person in your role, in, in your position was just get a ma- massive list. Everyone you yes. know, uh-huh. send them a dear friend letter and ask them to support you. Right. So you told me, get that same list together. But then um, we went over it and we kind of, we do what we do now. We ranked the people, the, their people we knew. Um, how close was I to them? What was our relationship like? How much money did I think they would be willing to give to the trip? Did they give to other missionaries? We kind of, we went through them one by one and put them in order kind of based on these different criteria. So we didn't necessarily use these exact terms that we use today in our business, right? But no, what no. were, what be, you, you sort of alluded to the things that we were ranking them on. Yeah, so financial capacity, which, so these are the terms we use now. <laughs> financial capacity, how much could they give? Philanthropic disposition. Um, like how know, giving are they? How are they... giving are they? Have they given to other missionaries? Do you, you know, do you know if they give to church? Do you know, kind of what's their giving history? And then, and then and the then, third thing was? The third thing that I think we used was, was our relationship. How well do I know them? We now say that um, is cultivatable interest. Like, do I have access to them? Am I going to be able to yeah, talk with no, them? No, I, I, but I, there was, on that third point, when I think about how we evaluated and ranked your prospects, 
who, by the way, we should just add, many of whom are still great friends, yes. right? Yeah, uh-huh. Most, actually, are great friends, right? So we, that cultivatable interest, so let's talk about these three things, financial capacity, right? Like, which is what? Um, you know, like, how much money do they have available <laughs> to give to any particular Right, so, so there's lots of people that, that maybe were on your list who you, who you love and are friends, but you, you just, like, you know what neighborhood they live in, right? You know where they live. Right. Or like my best friend who just graduated college doesn't have a lot of money to give to me right. to go on a missions trip. She may support you, right. but not as much as the people who live in, in the nicest area of town, right? Right, exactly, okay. yeah. So philanthropic disposition was like, are they givers, right? right. Like, mm-hmm. and, and we just, some people, how would you know that they were a giver? necessarily well i mean because i i knew these uh, most of these people um there was one family in particular they like gave to every missionary right okay so (laughs) if they give to every missionary they have a high philanthropic disposition but the cultivatable interest i i think it wasn't so you talked about relationship to me there's two there's always two sides to cultivatable interest it's i use the example of bill gates right like Bill Gates, we know, has a reputation for giving humanitarian work, right? Mm -hmm. So if I represent a humanitarian organization, does he have an interest does he have an interest in humanitarian work? Sure, yeah. What's my ability to cultivate it? Probably zero. Right. I I don't (laughs) I don't know Bill Gates, I don't know anyone who knows Bill Gates. So I have so if even if I represent a humanitarian organization, Bill Gates would have low cultivatable interest even though he has a high interest in humanitarian work because I have no ability to cultivate it but your people when I when I think back and these names guys like they're they're still you and I both right they're in our head like we know who these people are we recently sat in the living room of one of these mm-hmm. people um, they they had an interest in missions but for you there there was a lot of these people had been on a short-term missions yes. trip with you to Ireland. Yes. Uh-huh. Right? So it wasn't just that they they had financial capacity, they lived in the right area of town, or they had supported other missionaries and you knew them to be givers. But they had a particular interest in Ireland where you were preparing yes. to move because they had been on a short-term trip with you. Yes, definitely. And yeah. most, most, not all, but most or a large number of your donors who supported you for the entire year that you were in Ireland had been on that initial short-term trip with you to Ireland. Am I right? I, I, I'm trying to think back now. It's been a long time, but yeah, <laughs> I think mostly, except for your boss. He was another supporter yeah. who had not been on the trip. But right. most of them, yes, were people that had been with me on the trip, knew where I was going, knew the work that I was going to be doing, and were excited about that. Okay, so we put we put together this list, and and... So you had this massive list that was going to be your dear friend list, but instead we we basically prioritized the list and, and put uh, a high, like near the top of our list were these people who had some like combination of hitting these three marks, right? Yes, yeah. And then we took that list and um, this is where I started getting really uncomfortable with the, with the process. <laughs> You basically told me like, okay, if your number, I don't remember, I think I needed like $2,000 a month for a year. And so you said, okay, assign a number to each one of these people based on what you know, on what you're going to ask them for. And that was pretty scary at the time. 
Um, but I did it and I got up to, I think it was like maybe 2,500 um, from that list, you know, just, you know, Sally's going to, I'm going to ask her for a hundred dollars a month and, you know, so-and-so I'm going to ask for $25 a month and, you know, oh, this person I'm going to try to ask him for 500 a so, month or. So we had your list prioritized and then you sent a letter? No. Okay. No, we did not. We did not send a letter. Um, so then I went through and I called each one of these people and asked if they would be willing to have a meeting with me. If we could go to lunch or dinner or if I could come to their house or if we could meet somewhere and talk about the trip. Right. So now you're meeting with these people individually, face to face. You're not sending a dear friend letter. You're, mm -hmm. you're beginning the process of whining and dining. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and this is when I got called into the, to the missions uh, for the missions pastor's office and he was he was not very happy i don't know why he wasn't he wasn't i mean and this this pastor by the way is still a friend right yeah right mm -hmm. um but he was just he was hesitant or skeptical doubtful of the process right for sure okay yeah. mm -hmm. but for some reason you decided to to go for it right and you we, we start meeting with these people uh-huh and I remember like before each meeting, we would sit in the car and I would be really nervous because I knew that you expected me to ask these people for the amount that we had. But so it was basically like, we're going to talk with them. You're going to share with them um, the mission. There was a lot of coaching that happened. And I do remember one of the big things I took away was you're not asking them for money. You're asking them to be a part of something that God is doing. And that's a great privilege. And... That really helped me. That helped me in the ask a lot to not think of it as them giving me money. Now, I don't, I don't remember, and I'd be surprised if we did. Were we asking for gifts on the first visit? Yeah. We, we were. only met with a lot of yeah. people one time. I was on a very short timeline. We, we were on a short timeline, <clears throat> and I should say that this was... It, so in fundraising, I often talk about you don't ask for the gift on the first visit, but this wasn't the first visit. Right, like right. I knew these. You people. knew these yeah. people, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah, sure. as we just said a few minutes ago, like you had traveled to Ireland with many of these people. Like you've yes. been in their homes, yes. you've talked with them about the trip. Like they knew that you were going. They knew that you were raising money. Yes. Right? So yeah. it, this this wasn't really the first visit, right? No, I mean yeah. technically, it, right? Yeah. Okay, so and and we're, we started asking for gifts, and and I was actually going with you, not all, but most of these. Yeah these visits right yeah uh -huh. which is just like amazing to think about now <laughs> um it's just funny yeah so we would basically yeah go in have lunch i would share with them kind of how i um if they didn't already know i would just or refresh their memory how what had happened why i thought i should be going what my plan was i would share with them my budget and then would come to that moment all right so fast forward you you raise the money Right. By the way, along the way, I'm becoming conflicted about raising the money. Right. So yeah. I, I, I start out helping Monica raise the money. Uh, we end up dating. Right. Now I'm helping her raise money to send her to another country for a year. Right. And um, so but you raise the money. You're you're going to go. We, we by the way, another story for another day. We fall off a cliff. Monica and I fell from a 90-foot cliff right at the beginning of our courtship. That's a story for another day, right? For sure. Okay, yep. so, uh, but you raise the money, you're ready to go, and it comes time for your farewell brunch. Right. Right, uh -huh. and the pastor 
comes to you and and uh, so the the church always before they're going to send off a missionary they always throw these uh, farewell brunches and the pastor says to you don't get your hopes up right like nobody ever comes to these things <laughs> yeah. right very few people come yeah so they're they're going to do this brunch for you but like we're going to put out some coffee and, and cookies, but no one's going to come, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's Sunday afternoon. People have a lot going on. These happen, you know, every every couple weeks. People get tired of coming. So, yeah, just don't have too but, high expectations. So, but yours? Uh, yeah, it was packed. Packed. Absolutely. I remember. I remember being there. Absolutely packed. Why was it packed? Because Monica hadn't sent a dear friend letter she had actually engaged people in the process. They were like invested, right? They had given bigger gifts and they, they like weren't just giving a check, right? It wasn't like you asking for money and them giving a check. They had given their heart and then they had given their money, right? And, and like they, they were there at that brunch, right? They were, they were yeah. Uh-huh. And they continued. I didn't have anybody fall off. Um, from supporting, they all continued through the whole time. All right, and we did lots of stuff to keep your donors in, involved and engaged over the course of the year, right? We did, yep. Uh, lots of donor communications. Uh, her donor, your donors were super excited yep. at that brunch. There was energy, there was excitement, there was buy-in. Your your donors supported you the whole way through, right? You didn't run out of money, nope. like because people nope. stopped giving. Nope. And then, but then, this is the best part, though. This is the best part, right? Like, all the money that we raised uh, for Monica's year in Ireland, that was great. But the best part comes later. Yeah, so most most of the people, especially the people who are my big supporters, they even after I came home, they continued to support missions. Right. In, in fact, the pastor later told us that Monica's donors, they had greater donor retention. I'm not sure if he used that exact word, that, yeah. that term, but that that Monica's donors, even after Monica had returned, they had continued to give to missions. They gave to other missionaries. So Monica, like they had had such a great experience with Monica that they continued with other yep. with other missionaries. Yeah. Uh-huh. And a lot of them went on to be on the missions board. I think like half the missions board now is comprised of people who were originally donors who started giving to missions through you yeah and then last year right we were able to be back at that church when one of monica's initial donors was ordained as a pastor and is now the missions pastor at the church no i'm not taking credit for all of that (laughs) by any means but um yeah it was it was a really great experience and it was a really interesting micro study on basically the exact same system that we teach now and yeah it worked on my tiny budget on my very shoestring um campaign right and we were asking for in some cases i mean there i remember we had two different types of asks we were doing uh we asked some people for just upfront money yeah right and we asked some people for monthly support right Uh uh-huh and a big gift for you would have been how much I mean, $100 a yeah. month was a big deal. Right. I think yeah. we asked for a couple of $500 gifts, yeah. like get $500 once. Right. But yeah. $100, I think there may have been a couple of larger ones. I think I did get like $1,000 up front or maybe a 1200 or something like that. But, but I mean, that's going back a long time ago right. now. It, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but 
so if you hear me sometimes tell a story of, and I'm like, and I asked him for a million dollars, right? And, and you think that this stuff doesn't apply to you in your situation. We were at that time, 22, 23, 24 years old, asking people for a hundred bucks a month. Yep. Yep. 500 bucks once. And was it about the money? No, I mean, in the end, it wasn't. In the end, it was just about getting people involved with my my mission, <laughs> and the and the getting their hearts intertwined with what was happening. So I always am saying that it's biblical, right? Like, don't worry about the money, worry about the heart, right? Like, if you win someone's heart, like you will get their money. It's just like that's we we spend our money on things that we value, and. Uh, that's true, whether it's in our personal life and our consumer choices. It's also true in our giving. And some people, some people are more giving than others, right? They just give away more money than others. But ultimately, uh, it's not about the money, right? It's about getting people's hearts. And that's what you did, right? You got their hearts. Yeah, with your help. <laughs> so and that's what we do right it, and I could just I'm telling you it's not about the money it's about the heart and all these things that we talk about in terms of listening to gift and asking strategic questions all you're doing is you're trying to figure out where the donors coming from where their heart is and how does the mission of your organization dovetail with their own personal life mission and, and think about it this way which which do you think is easier would you say that it's easier right to would it be easier for me to convince you to give your money to help me achieve my mission or would it be easier to get a gift from you after i've shown you how the work i'm doing helps you accomplish your own personal life mission right and that's what that's what monica was doing um, 20 years ago. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> a long time. All right. Hey, Monica, is this, this is what we do, right? This is what we do. All right. Yep. This so we do. would, we would love to help you. Like I always say this, we help organizations raise more money than you ever thought possible by developing deeper and more meaningful relationships with your donors, right? And deeper and more meaningful relationships with your donors than you ever thought possible. Like these are awesome relationships and we are still friends. It's amazing with uh, like all these people today. I remember, like I, re I know, you know, you know all your important donors, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not because it was about the money, because you were actually in relationship. Right. I mean, what a great foundation for relationship. Shared life mission. Right. Shared values, shared goals. That's a, that's a pretty stellar start. All right. Well, we're going to play the outro here in just a second where you're going to hear Monica plug one of our programs. But we would love to help you. That like we, do, we just love it, right? We love helping organizations and individuals accomplish your goals, achieve success, and have these types of relationships. So reach out, right? You've got both of our emails, Monica's at Monica at MajorGiftsFundraiser.com. I'm Clark at MajorGiftsFundraiser.com. I just want to say one quick thing. You should see Clark after he gets off one of these calls, one of these coaching <laughs> calls, or even one of these just strategy calls. He is just pumped. He's like, 
pacing around. He's coming down telling me all the details of the call and man, you know, they can, they have so much potential and they could do this and they could do that. He just is like glowing. So it really is a labor of love for him. He loves getting on the phone and chatting with people, even if, even if we don't have a product, even if we don't have something to sell you, he just loves talking with people about fundraising. He's kind of weird like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Major Gifts Fundraiser podcast. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about the Major Gifts Fundraiser startup program. The startup program is for organizations that are ready to take their development efforts seriously, maybe for the first time. Often these organizations are young, maybe still run by the founder. Possibly you've just hired your first development director, but you haven't ever really systematized your fundraising process. You know you should be doing more with individual donors, but not quite sure what. The Major Gifts Startup Program is perfect for nonprofits who are ready to start raising more money from individual giving. They're ready to stop depending on one or two big events each year and develop a strong, stable individual giving base. The Major Gifts Startup Program is a three-month program divided into three parts, stewardship systems, messaging and donor acquisition, and Major Gifts training. The first thing we're going to do is get you set up. We're going to make sure you have a good donor database and a system in place that systematically thanks and stewards your donors. We want to automate this process to help give your donors a great giving experience without causing you a lot of extra work. So people will want to give again and again and again and give increasingly bigger gifts. And that's important that we do that first. Once this phase is in place, the systems to manage your donors, to communicate with your donors, to thank and steward your donors, and you're gonna be awesome at this. Then we're gonna to move to phase two. Phase two is all about messaging. We're gonna help you tell your story better, build buzz, acquire new donors, or get donors that have been around for a long time to give again. We'll launch a mini campaign, we'll set some specific goals. We're going to have goals for the number of new donors we acquire and the total number of dollars raised. And this is going to take place in a short time, usually 30 to 60 days. Then phase three. Okay, now we have a system in place to thank and steward our donors. We've acquired a bunch of new donors, and now we're ready to move into moves management relationships with a select number of these people who are going to go from giving small, sustaining gifts to bigger bigger and eventually major gifts that are going to propel your organization to the next level. We'd love to talk with you more about the major gift startup, see if it's a good fit for you. If you are interested, go ahead, shoot me an email, monica at majorgiftsfundraiser.com and we'll set up a time to talk. Thanks for listening to the Major Gifts Fundraiser podcast. <laughs>